0: Good afternoon and welcome to the 30th episode of Genomics Cup Shop. Genomics Cup Shop is where we invite experts in the field of genomics and people who are in the vicinity of genomics patients uh, and other people who help us in being able to understand and be able to uh, understand the nuances of genomics and to be able to then say, what can we do about it as a society? today we are delighted i think we have a very very special person today dr uh, uh, danya ravi who is uh, you know in my view a, a poet a writer uh, but more importantly i think she's been a disability evangelist and a champion for many of us and i think for you know i started just thinking that i would just view a little bit about about her i ended up spending a, a quite a large amount of time trying to understand and she just brings in so much positivity that uh, I mean, I, I, I must say I was completely touched and I think, uh, thank you so much for accepting that uh, our invitation to come on Genomics Caption.
1: Thank you so much. I think it's a great pleasure as well. and I was so moved like uh, an entity or maybe a platform working for this particular, which is like very rare and uh, beautiful. I was very moved with couple of the conversations that uh, I heard through on YouTube channel and yeah bingo to the entire team uh, because as I said for me uh, uh, you know there's no larger community of people who are like core interested to uh, actually uh, work on genetics, healthcare, and all of that and like it's, it's very nice to see there is uh, a small interested group who are into this and probably from here we start up to a larger level yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely, I think all of us need to bring in that awareness and and education in the community in general. Um, so Daniel, before we when we be, as we begin, I just wanted to understand, you know, how did you, um, you know, what was your journey like, and you know, when when were you, uh, you know, I know that you were diagnosed with uh, osteoporosis imperfecta, but how was that journey? And I know that there are many people who probably don't understand. Uh, what this what this was about but maybe if you can help us understand a little bit about your journey I think that would be great for our viewers.
1: Yeah sure so osteogenesis imperfecta uh, it's again a genetic disorder and it is the it is in the lack of type 1 collagen a deficiency of type 1 collagen in my body and the character of osteogenesis imperfecta why is that mostly until teenage uh, bones are very brittle and the Uh, fractures are really high and after teenage the frequency reduces and uh, in in my case uh, and there are about 7 to 12 types of OI and dates on the mild and severity each stage each type of it just like diabetes or it would see and um, I am born with type 3 and uh, my movement I'm a wheelchair user and but i kind of move my manual wheelchair on my own because it's customized and in my own level of height and structure and uh, during my times of uh, birth the awareness about why is never there and be it, uh, although i like was evolving in a city-based location it would be very difficult for anyone to really understand what they need to do starting from my parents to the doctors Healthcare people were not really supportive in and, and, and those uh, times of my birth, where it actually needed proper care. And uh, so maybe this has also like let me into a lot of deformities in my bones, uh, because they were not sure how surgeries would work out in me. Uh, so yeah, it's been almost 30 years, uh, me being in love with my condition. Yeah,
0: I think, uh, you know, I, I couldn't make out how old you are from uh, this thing, but I think 30 years ago, one, uh, I think Human Genome Project wasn't uh, completed either, right? I mean, that was the other thing. And of course, there were no genetic tests available at that time, but I'm assuming that the doctor then diagnosed the, the problem based on
1: symptoms, symptomatically probably, like right? at that time, or, or was there a... Genetic- uh, there are like you know my parents have been so far my father has been terribly in in interest of giving me the best care available in the healthcare sector but I still feel uh, there was a gap even otherwise like there could be some doctor really knows about it but maybe it's not communicated well to my parents or maybe the lack of not knowing there's a mix of everything because uh, when I look back, like when I really now, when I when I look back with the doctors on those centuries, uh, when I have a conversation uh, with the same doctor who had once saw me as a child, and um, I I could see that they were also in a space where uh, they know what to do, how to do, and all. But somewhere they, they didn't really want to be there because of the uh, technology of not being supportive. Or maybe they don't have hands-on experience. It's just learning. Mm-hmm. It was a, they learned on the books and all of that. So in that sense, it, it was very tricky, I would say, because I could also see some of the doctors who actually knew and never took the risk factor in terms of making my parents understand, okay, this is what it is and this has to be done and all of that. But yeah, largely, yeah, it was not completely available or aware on those times but a certain um, proportion of people, doctors really knew what to do but somewhere the kind of access was not being provided properly i would say
0: and there are no communities for uh for for this uh that were there at that time or were, were there communities for your parents to reach out and and talk to them
1: No, no, no. I think it's only through me now, they really started to see the community. Until then, no, it was not there. And uh, there was no Google access or anything. Whatever doctor says, that's the only thing that they were able to listen. And uh, there's nothing beyond that. Uh, And as I know, as you already know, it is a rare disease. It's not like commonly seen with everyone or maybe one or two people, they really met and it was on a different type of OI. And it wasn't the same, so we can't compare again. How to how to deal with it? So, uh, it's it's more of an experimental times, I would say, and a learning space also. Uh, yeah, but things have evolved. Like I could still see that if there was like a proper healthcare available, or maybe the doctors are being more compassionate in in providing the best of treatment. I think a lot of deformities in my body could have been avoided. Uh, because uh, in the family, I was like the first child with mm-hmm. a disability, even my parents had their emotional challenges and how to cope with it. So uh, it has been a little different then as in my childhood.
0: Um and I'm, I'm assuming at that point uh, genetic counseling was also not I mean not as counseling as a as a as a profession, I think was in also that well develop, developed because I remember back, uh, I think one of our first VPs of genetic counseling, um, Pooja Ramchandran, I think she was one of the earlier ones who came in to set this up. Then we have uh, Dr. Annie Hassan. But a lot of these have happened over the last few years. I don't think we had that many genetic counselors as well. Um, and also I think some some conditions, I think we can look at uh, you know, before people plan to have a baby or prenatal wise i think some technology wise also we have probably have had challenges right but you know even then i think maybe if if physicians are more aware of these conditions which i think rare conditions do you think rare conditions are really rare they're not right i mean but maybe you can help people understand how that rare diseases are not really that rare uh, when you look at it from a macroscopic
1: level correct right, absolutely
0: so, you know, I think uh, today, I think we are, uh, when we take all the rare diseases together, there are millions of people who suffer from rare diseases. But uh, I think within that, I think if we had communities, I think it becomes easier for people to understand that, you know, not just, you know, about the disease, but also emotionally, how do you create that community around that? True. So, So so one, I mean, I guess one of your biggest, you know, differences in terms of like, uh, was that you had to be homeschooled, right? And nowadays, I think I I know a lot of parents do homeschool children, but was it easy to be homeschooled? Can you tell us about your experience? Was it different from, you know, what you can consider as a traditional way of of, uh, learning? Although I think over the next few years, we'll see a change in education anyway. But uh, what did you feel growing up?
1: Uh, so for me, uh, yes, like you said, now we have been seeing so frequently about homeschooling. But the challenge where I see is that now we do have some set of information apart from the academic books available. So even, even if, if a person or a child is doing homeschooling, there's a lot of university level of learning that comes through the technology apart from the academic books as well. So it's more of an equivalent of a mainstream education to some extent I have felt. And, and there's a, the learning space also be, uh, environment is different for a child who goes to the school and homeschooling as well. So during in my times, uh, my way of uh, homeschooling uh, was uh, not completely uh, university level, but sort of university level, I would say, because the kind of uh, books what I kind of learned till my 10th grade was proper academic books shared um, by my friend and a teacher comes home and teach me so when I look back like how the education has supported me yes it has drastically supported me but I would still see the lack of not being able to have proper access to school mm-hmm. uh, There is a way of learning in books academics that I've kind of went through and my teacher was so supportive and I really owe to her a lot because today if I'm talking it's because of uh, her mentorship so that no doubt that I that is a great way of learning that I felt but somewhere I really also like when I'm working on a workplace and I still feel if I add like a very strong foundation of education my uh, way of workplace and would have been a little more easy, I felt, and, uh, you know, I come from a very traditional family uh, from Kerala, uh, and coming from here, like, you know, first of all, girls need basic education, and a person with disability, firstly, my parents were never against with my education, but they were not knowing the importance of education for a, woman or a girl with disability so uh they were like self-help books would be fine and and they no one really like kind of um you know looked out how my journey has to be as i grew up rather it was a present thing that they kind of offered to me and they were also unsure how uh education would support me would i learn and all that so um I really don't regret of not being able to go to a mainstream schooling because my teacher has been so nice where I really learned a lot from her beyond the academic books. And I would say that it has been very equivalent to the 10 to 12 teachers with, with the one teacher who had been with me for 10 years. So in that sense, yes. But uh, like I said, the kind of supporting system that what we could get now in the homeschooling level was not... Uh, apply to me on my earliest uh, childhood days. So the lack of those access is always a lack, which I kind of pursue it now at this age to uh, stay up on the track, I would say. So um, homeschooling is never a bad thing. It is definitely a right choice based on the kind of environment that we can provide to the child. But again, it depends upon how quality education are we providing so that's that matters so one
0: of the big differences that when you look at the us or or any of the developed countries i think the physical infrastructure for people with any form of disabilities is way higher right i mean and do you think that there is a need for you know changing that infrastructure within the country in terms of you know how do we make them much more friendlier for people to be able to you know, obviously, obviously, you have a. I know that your vehicle you call it BMW, right? Uh, but but I'm saying it's still. Can you take it around everywhere? Right. I mean, the question is, you know, do you find that there are enough workplaces or enough places there where you can easily, uh, actually, be you know going there without feeling the need for having anyone else coming in? Uh, is there a need for one making infrastructure better and two? Do you think that can we bring in a little bit more inclusivity in organizations, uh, and how do you think people, uh, or or companies, or organizations can
1: achieve that? Given that a lot of it is already built up, infrastructure development is very essential, undoubtedly. Because uh, I would say that when uh, being in India, I would say that uh, uh, we we still stick with Bangalore, Chennai, Pune, Mumbai. So beyond that, other states. Uh, are like never seen or hardly seen, uh, I would say, but still we're just stuck with these four places in terms of infrastructure development. But yeah, despite of the same, even these states require a lot of accessible and uh, you know, uh, universal design, I would say, because it's not just my BMW that needs to be worked on the societal platform. There is a, all sort of disability that needs to be um, accessed for everyone. So in that sense, uh, there is a lot that has to happen. And I would really say that uh, barrier in transportation uh, is one of the main reasons of persons with disability of not being employed or maybe even schooling. Because it's not that a child doesn't love to go to a school or office, no, it is about the infrastructure uh, challenges that actually stops them, like a parent has to go or maybe uh, it's the schooling or maybe the workplace is not nearby the residence and if at all it so, maybe the commute becomes hard and safety issues, uh, a lot of it is still involved. Uh, I still find it so scared to step out in my residential calling uh, because of so many reasons. Uh, uh, precisely the safety aspect. so in that sense yes there is a lot that has to be worked I would say but yes there are changes that has been put in the country like now places like Bangalore and uh, Mumbai, Goa uh, but we do have some accessible vehicles that's there that's running, that's operating but again uh, the cost matters uh, I feel for a person with disability, uh, actually the expenses are really uh, more than any able person, persons without disability. So keeping this charge or uh, uh, the finance aspect, but still when it comes to any travel, again, they are the ones who end up paying more in terms of maybe going to uh, a few kilometers away. They end up ch- charging a lot. So I think there is a lot that has to be worked on a right sense now maybe in some cities we have certain things but it's still not being uh, puzzled well I would say it's still shattered so in that sense yeah there is a lot um, in the infrastructure area that has to be worked out. I think having more persons with disability on the board would also make it easy for the uh, leaders to make the right choices in the right time because they would have some, suggestions from the user perspective as well and in the workplace i am so happy that many mnc's these days do come up with some csr diversity and inclusion aspect. but still there are so many and there are many states in india that still needs to be worked a lot like they still like wonder if it's, it's basically a fear that the company uh leaders own i feel like uh, how do a person with disability come to the office? Can they work well? Can they co- communicate well? How do we kind of deal with uh, if any emergency happens? So there's a lot of fear factor that's involved and maybe even if there is a fund that has been allotted for all these changes, can the productivity be uh, just like another person in the team? So, uh, you know, these are the fear factors that comes around, I've, I have sensed it. But I still feel when the when I really look at companies which comes from a um, very DNI uh, strong team, uh, they are still making a lot of changes. And actually, um, you know, I've seen so many people with disability living a dignified life because of uh, such decisions. So, uh, and they are the real examples of actually proven to us like they can still work like any other uh, employee in the team. And uh, it's not something hard, but it is about working with the right choices and and the kind of like decision-making that happens on the right way.
0: And they often say, right? Like if you have one part of your, uh, you know, something where maybe you, you can't do, then it's more likely that you have heightened, um, you know, sense senses in the others and so you bring there is a different sense of um, you know value that they that people can bring in uh, but i think people have to recognize that and 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 then use that in as part of the organization that it is not just something nice to do but it's something that you will actually gain something out of also right because i think that that perspective or that approach is different from what your rest of the people are bringing in so you know i wanted to move on to something that really caught my attention you know you have you've been a very positive person um you know and it's not easy to you know even uh, people who don't have you know brittle bone disease or anything else uh, can tend to be you know having um, uh, you know not feeling good or finding their purpose in life or otherwise how did you find was there something in your childhood were there people or there's something that that kept you going and and what keeps you going even today uh, maybe you can help us understand. You know, how do you find uh, the positive things in little in in the little pleasures, or I don't know where. You know, for me it is small things. I don't know what it is in for you in terms of where you find your, uh, you know, the energy that that you that you radiate so well.
1: Uh, I still go through a lot of uh, blue days. I would say it's not that I'm a very positive person always, but generally yes, I'm a happy person. Uh, but not that I really don't uh, go through any sad moments or anything I do have that a lot and uh, for me uh, I feel it's not about finding purpose for me it's about doing the things that we're really good at and this is not something that I really found in one point in time it's a journey itself that took me here uh, as a girl maybe the kind of Questions that I grew up with, and uh, where it actually took me, and when I see the kind of, uh, I do a lot of self-reflections within me, and I re- really try to understand where I'm really good at, or uh, where my passion really lies, and my strength, and uh, so this has actually helped me to. Um, I think it's a it's a good way in 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 uh, in in a way I would say because uh, if if we as a person doesn't find our strength or maybe what we are really good at I think wherever we go we are even messing the other person's journey so it's ideally better to understand ourselves and know our strength and weakness and working on it so this actually uh, tries uh, actually takes us more productive and meaningful I would say I am with you on this that for me the smallest thing Matters and that gives me the immense joy than anything really they really small things, meeting a friend, having a cup of favorite coffee, or uh, listening to a music that I really like, uh, maybe uh, uh, something being with a close to nature. So, this brings me a lot of joy, undoubtedly. And uh, maybe the the more of me was slowly recognized within myself at the age of 10, 12, uh, 25, 26. So these are like the ages where I really understood a better version of mine.
0: And, and have there been any special moments uh, where someone special told you something uh, that maybe reinforced some of the strengths that you had? And I know you met uh, President uh, Kalam and, and others as well. Uh, how How do you think, does that influence anything in terms of you know, some of the
1: positive reinforcements? Or So I feel uh, every person that we meet, right, really, there is a lot of learnings we do from, we actually learn from them, whether it be from the president, or maybe a parent, or maybe the child at home. I feel there is a lot that we learn from each person. So in that sense, uh, for me, each relationship gives me a lot of learning. And it also gives me a lot of reflection. So the, it's not someone in particular, but the overall me has always made with the choices of what others make on my life, I would say, especially persons with disability uh, are a little vulnerable more than others. And uh, it really, ma- so for us to shape a life, what really matters is the choices of what others make. And uh, maybe like starting from my parents, sibling, mentors, friends, and um, maybe the kind of leaders that I really work with, the the volunteers. So I feel all these people choices in my journey has also helped me grow uh, better. So that is a lot of people's choices that has made my happy moments.
0: And um, do you think like February uh, 28th, for instance is celebrated as the Rare Disease Day, Uh, do you think by introducing um, the Rare Disease Day, we've been able to accomplish something uh, in terms of awareness for rare conditions in general, or do you think there is much more that we can do? And if there is much more, what what are your suggestions on that?
1: I definitely would uh, voice out, there is much more we can do. So even, even if we are making a awareness campaign, be it a marathon, I mostly participate on marathons every year, and um, so for me, uh, I would say awareness of all these events, right, or all these occasions uh, also make others who are not in the sector know about something new, right? So there is an the impact that we are slowly making it there. And for each campaign, what really matters is how you do it or how you convey it matters a lot. So the moment you kind of like do certain things in an impactful way that, where it actually receives a receiver's heart, where they really understand what we're doing. It's not just about running in the morning, coming back with a medal. So there is a beyond things that throughout the year they carry, through generations they carry, and uh, what genetic takes and all these matters and how they kind of share it with their community people. So these are like some of the things coming even to the workplace, how they kind of bring it to the table. So uh, I would say uh, rare disease awareness, sure. there's a lot of there are very different methods of campaigning for that. And ultimately, each campaign should have a purpose lit behind there. And without that, just keeping an event would not be the perfect choice. Not just as a checkbox in the list of things that
0: organizations need to do. I think, um, you know, one way is how do we amplify the voice of people with you know and and i think it's not just it's about you know can we create something that can go viral i think clearly i think mass communication like films have done some amount of you know a few of them right but but i think we can do a lot more and maybe we can think of some campaign that will allow us to sort of say how do you from how do you multiply right from 1 to maybe 3 3 to 9 9 to and so on so if we can do something like that i think maybe we'll do a better job better uh, awareness campaign if we can build something that is that touches somebody's heart and, and and is able you know people can understand that because it's not easy for I think for a lot of people to understand it just by reading something somewhere I think they need to also feel it in, in you know in their heart to be able to say how do I spread this message across right and and I think you know you've been able to do that I would say quite effectively but you can find ways to to amplify that that voice a, a little bit um, okay let's let's uh, maybe uh, move on to uh, to ask you that you know do you think that, um you know did you think that awareness and uh, acceptance uh, play an important role for someone and also the family that lives with a, a rare condition
1: absolutely yes it's very very important so Uh, I would say that uh, just coming from my own experience, I would say, like as a child, like until 10 years, I used to just be that kind of person where my parents used to take me. As a child, yes, that's my wisdom also during that time. And but I still feel that uh, more of accept when I really started at the age of 10, when I really started to uh, check myself, like when I really saw my changes, in my mind and body and where it is actually taking me as a person, there is a lot of things that has changed. The kind of confidence that I gained and the kind of knowledge system that I could bring down to my own condition was Lord. Like I would say from the age of 10 to 12, when I really started to take in charge of myself, uh, I I'd really stopped like visiting hospitals or I kind of like started uh informing my parents that um you know forget it uh i know that i have a lot of deformities and doing a surgery is a hardship in terms of financial in terms of uh, risk factor and especially doctors not really knowing how to deal with a child with oi and as a parent even you don't find the strength because you feel um you know we have this thing right like after surgery what a, the kind of comfort that i have now will go on or go off? What if the surgery doesn't work on a positive note? So, all these things, also just leave it as it is and just leave the life it is. So, I feel from there, I started to be more confident and I kind of started to deal with my deformities. I know the kind of positions that need to be uh, need. I need to sit with. I kind of adjust my chair position. So, like these are the things that even my parents did not know. Like when I really started to work on myself i kind of understood that a person with a physical disability like sits for eight to twelve hours on a wheelchair and the positioning matters and the way how you breathe actually makes it everything so these are like some of my learnings and i feel like gradually when i really started to come with the community also i kind of uh, felt like most of the people tend to be uh, more lonely or maybe they experience a lot of loneliness as self so I think if they really come in terms of accepting for who they are uh, they can take in charge of it and parents plays a huge role uh, I think it is a hard journey for them no doubt because emotionally they are trapped in so many things it is a hard journey but I really feel parenting is one of the key aspects for any child to grow whether persons with or without disability parenting plays a huge role so uh, and like we all know like right, the kind of like counselors that we have right now wasn't there on my my times as a child and this has also like impacted uh, uh, many persons even in my journey on this group page where uh, we sometimes as i said the child hits with loneliness, or maybe the parent not being understanding where they need to, know what to do with the child as they when they are no more with the the independency part. So like a lot of things are being, uh, like you know spread here and there, which has to be you know joined together. So that happens with open conversations in the family. There's like a lot of stigma involved when, uh, like sex orientation or a lot of it is still like not being told to a child with disability when um, you know, they might get the monthly cycle so these are like still the stigma that has been and in, in been like not being told to everyone and maybe not exchanged. so i feel uh, uh as a parent they have to like nurture the child just like another uh, person with does without disability like how you have a boy or a girl uh as a son in mean, the same child the same way it has to be nurtured and open conversation is highly recommended and you know it's very important like uh, I I still have like the peer group people who still goes through a lot of emotional challenges in the teenage and uh, during the times of growing and so it's very important to have open conversations and acceptance and really really important be it for the parent or for the child. So other than parents, was it easy for you to make friends
0: outside of uh, of your own age group? And are you, is there something we can do to reduce? Because you mentioned there's a lot of loneliness around that, right? around, uh, you know, being at home, homeschooled and all. Was it hard to uh, make friends when you were younger? Or, um, and how do you suggest we don't do, like how do we change that for, for other children who might be suffering from the same same condition or or any other rare condition
1: so for me um i would say that since i'm having a little happier nature in me uh, for a longer time i didn't live with a lot of loneliness like especially in my childhood i was actually playing like a child i was like evolving as a child because i didn't have many friends because i could not go to school so i have like my neighboring friends only and I think till they went to the college and all of that, we used to hang out in the evening and they used to include me part of the gamings and the evening game and play time and all of that. So in that sense, my growing up wasn't hard or I did feel uh, lonely uh, as such. Uh, No, I have never felt, like as of now, I have not felt so lonely. I would really feel that there is like, as I said, commonly when I look out for the community as such, uh, when when I look at the percentage of people, what I really feel is like after this child, uh, teenage, when they actually grow up and they may not be able to go to the school or college and the siblings go to school or work, parents do their job and the child is like stuck there. So that's when we really hit with. And uh, even on the 40s, all of it plays a role. So having a group of friends matters a lot. So for me, uh, personally, my friends are with all age group, I would say. And uh, I am actually uh, a little introvert, I would say. like Although I'm a very social being, I have a very limited friends who are like, very close to me. And I would say um, it is in, the, in my later age, after my 25, I really had, started having friends with my age until then like as i've like been with the family my friends have always been like uncle auntie uh the neighboring uncle auntie or maybe my relatives so these are like my friends and uh, yeah cousins who have been either elder to me or younger to me but the same age group it has been very rare until i really came up uh, until i'm like my 25 or 26 when I really started to go out and meet people, I never had any friends with same age group. So in that sense, yeah, it is. So that has actually impacted my journey also. Like uh, I would say that uh, going out for a coffee with friends or something that never used to like in a larger way. So I'm not like so keen also because I've grown up with uh, very senior people and all of that. So maybe a little more calm and cycle there because of that. So eventually it has impacted my journey as well. And
0: and that's how you created the group, right? You, you're, you, you've you created a community yourself now also, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's quite fun. Uh, I do have some bunch of people around me and we do hang out. And there's a, I feel it's about learning each other and also appreciating of where we are supporting each other and just being there. So, yeah, it's nice. So
0: one of my advisors uh, is uh, Sharon uh, Terry, and she uh, is an also an amazing woman, and she has created this thing called uh, Genetic Alliance. I don't know if you have you've have seen that, but she has uh, done a, a really great job of being able to figure out and create communities for different, different rare conditions. Uh, so similar to like the ORDI of India and, and a few others, I think there are, hopefully we can, you know, create more, uh, more of such communities and build that and create like something that common goal around all of them. And I think that will give it a little more wings than where we are today.
1: It's highly important to have community groups based on the same condition, because uh, we really know what the experiences could be. And we also learn and share a lot. Like when I kind of be part of a group with osteogenesis imperfect, uh, having met around 100 or 200 people, with the same condition, we really know where our life would be, like, or maybe how certain uh, organs would impact to us, where we need to pay attention. So there's a lot of learning and sharing groups. It's, it's very important to have such communities. And and it also uh, supports a family also as a parent, uh, they would also like learn a lot from other parents and mm-hmm. uh, the emotional support that they kind of share and gain is also like very nice so community groups always help each other
0: yeah i think we need to make a more concerted group and, and amplify the ones that are that are already there yeah. uh, so we we have uh, you know we mentioned that you know when you were younger uh, or um, it was hard to get genetic testing but how important do you think genetic testing is uh, especially if, to understand rare conditions and also otherwise. But I, I think, in the context of rare conditions, uh, how important do you think that, you know, and and why should parents uh, even think about doing that?
1: So, genetic condition should actually, I would say, it should just be like a normal test, how we got used with, um, you know, how we, how we kind of do the blood test, right, for diabetics or for anything. It should reach to that common level. I would say because people carry so much of stigma within them that having, finding something will actually ruin the people's life. That's what the peop- parents or the family really think, you know, like if my daughter really comes across some uh, positive results, her whole life is gone, whether she'll get married or whether she can study. So that's how the parent thing, but ultimately doing a genetic test is, all about understanding uh, a better health of yourself, I would say. Coming from diabetics, we can understand, and a lot of it can be understood through a genetic test. So I would say that any person after 18 years or maybe before that, it is really important to do a genetic test to avoid even acute disabilities um, and also like, you know, planning for a family life and all the family planning. So it, it really give a lot of sense in what you're going to do and a lot of the, the the kind of hardship that each of us, maybe the parent or the child going to face can largely be avoided. And doing a genetic test is not about uh, destroying a soul or anything of that. Sort. It's about giving early attention, interventions and you know, a better treatment to the child and the mother and the father as well. So it, it's very important to do that. Okay. So I think the stigma has to be removed. So it's a responsibility that each one of us take up because government policies are way are far off to reach to anything for us. And it's it's fine that we all, each person, take an authority on that. No, I absolutely, I agree. Because there are some things that we can avoid at the
0: uh, before people decide to get married level. There's some things you can do at the prenatal level and there's some things you can do at an early intervention level, right? and it's not that just because we find out it goes away right i mean that will that is still there so i think in fact if you find out there are chances that you can either prevent it or you can uh, do an early diagnosis of it and early diagnosis means early treatment means better outcome of life and and that's something i think you know it has to be told to people in in many ways because people don't seem to people think that you know just by finding out it's like putting your head in the sand and hoping that the problem you know that won't happen to them, right? And and I think unfortunately, you know, it is not as rare as people consider some of these conditions to be, and and therefore, given the changes in technology, I think you know why not avail them, right? But I think many people don't even know that such things are available even yeah. today. I, yeah. I think we need to we need to change that. Um. So uh, do you think that this will? Make our whole conversation that we've had so far about disability rights, the inclusion, your access, um, if uh, I mean, currently I think one big challenge in genetic testing is, of course that you know cost has, was a challenge, right? So people were one you know what we mentioned, which was that do people want to do it or do they if you get a positive result, it, it might mean some so some sort of a social stigma. The second challenge is that, you know, it costs more than what people thought it would, but that, that cost is coming down. Do you think there are other things that that uh, people fear about uh, or are just not aware? Or uh, do you think that, you know, we, we will be able to, um, you know, get to a point where either insurance pays for it or an employer pays, pays for it or somebody pays for it so that everybody has equal access to to tests like that?
1: Yes, it does. It's actually a teamwork. I would say from the government level to the private hospitals and um like as you said, uh, gen- doing a genetic test was actually being not heard with many people because of the cost. One, two, it does not become a mandatory. So if a person now, how do we have like polio drops in India? And So similarly, a mandatory. A uh, policy should come on board where each person should mandatory go for uh, annual checkups and um and you know genetic tests at whatever age it, it has to be appropriately done for a woman or a man or a girl and boy and those of it. So if you know, on a very um uh, from a doctorate level on a healthcare perspective, if that can be come out, I think. Uh, Yes, there there will be a huge impact uh, in terms of everywhere because firstly, when a person with rare disease is born, most of the conditions are incurable. And despite if some has a medicine, the charges involved is like 4x for that. And uh, maybe even selling their own property would not be enough for a child's treatment. The entire family, like I still know, Many families who have like sold their own property and have taken money from family friends, and all of it, and still not reached anywhere. And so there is a great challenge that's happening because of that. So even healthcare policies has to be more, and more inaccessible or maybe they come in terms of making medical insurance for rare diseases at least to some percentage. So all these would have would be a support system um for a person with rare diseases to grow uh, on a very healthier side uh, rather than struggling here and there or in between Uh, so it it really matters like like not not very small percentage of families are kind of well uh, well rich enough to actually take care of the child and on a larger way they are, are unable to give proper treatment and education, even now. like I really know that when I came to the community level with similar conditions or another rare diseases, as a community, we learned a lot. But if the community does not exist, still there will be a lot of people who still stay in the unknown and be there and still now people really doesn't know the real, what RPWD Act and... Now, is there any policies and lot of that? So I think the access on digital level and should just be. So these are like the essential part for mm-hmm. everyone, I would say, and these information should go to each houses from on a very easy level, not just by uh, uh, you know I need to Google and find out. No, it should actually go as an information system uh, to every home i would say so this again yes it can be a um, you know ownership that as as some communities come together and do it or from the government level so it's actually a team of people involved who can make such big impacts i as a person alone will not be but as a team yes we all can like they say it takes a village
0: like right? yes
1: absolutely <laughs>
0: so i, I guess it, you know one is that we can uh, you know if we, we we look at policies whether it is uh, you know genetic uh, non discrimination act you know which is which is there in the us canada i mean in some of the countries it is these kind of acts so are there um, then you're looking at things where you start looking at doing this on a, a newborn screen as well right i mean some of the rare diseases can be early to, you know, treatment can be done Uh, UK is an example of that so and I think now India also some states are doing that not every state but some of them are doing it so I think one is that you know if people start to understand the value of this in a collective way and and I think one thing that you mentioned which was quite interesting was you said even if people are not in the community they're still suffering from from these diseases and it's not just about the community the uh, emotional support but you also want to prevent this in the future for some of the other people and I think you know even when you're looking at you know will a kind of pharmaceutical company work towards a cure or otherwise I think for that also there needs to be a community for for it to look like something that people can address a problem because you need to do research and so on so there are multiple such areas that we can all understand that it is one about immediate changes in terms of what you can do. Ah uh, two is policies that we can bring about, but three is also can we improve the diagnostic odyssey, as they call it uh by being able to create communities by being able to create the right sort of support system for for all of us uh I know we've we've gotten quite deep into uh, discussions of all of all of this, and we are almost we are already at almost an hour so um i want to ask you you know what would your advice be for uh, new parents who have like a, a baby with the uh, with a disability um or a rare condition that they've just found out
1: uh, firstly is yes, timely care early interventions and please don't like think this is the end of the world or uh, start treating it special no uh, the child is like as just like the parent as um, you know, this is a human and ultimately it's another individual. So it's very important to, to you know, nurture the child, just like how you have been nurtured by your parents or maybe you as a parent, like as a parent, I want to be like this to my child. So just be that, like, let's not give any special tags to it. But, and also like, it's very important. Like I really feel, uh and uh, you know, I've seen a percentage of pa- special parents not being able to enjoy their life because they, they they completely give the full attention to the child and uh, somewhere the person's uh, journey is also like uh, shattered. So it's very important to find a balance between uh, themselves and the child and the bond between a parent and child. So like these are the two things that I really feel uh, as a priority to be paid attention and the rest of it would just come off like uh, like child has to be responsible. Just leave the child the way how uh, another person with disability has to grow as their own child. Just let's not put any special tag to it. Absolutely. Um.
0: So, so how did you get started with this whole? I know that you, you write a lot. You, you, you know, both in terms of uh, poetry and prose and many, uh, many, and and you are currently a content marketer. So what? Where did you discover that talent of yours, uh, and how did you, you know, tell us a little bit about your love for for all things written and spoken? If I can,
1: if I can say that. Uh, I would say I am a trained writer. I'm not like a born writer. No, I am a trained writer. So if you're able to read my prose or anything, you understand that it, it just comes from my heart. That's it. And, uh, it doesn't. You brain, are a
0: writer.
1: Then you are <laughs> a writer. <laughs> I might not have any proper ga- grammatical That's lines or anything of that. It comes from my heart and all of that. And for me, writing is something that I love to do, and I'm just doing that. And uh, it started at like at the age of fifteen to eighteen. But I I really have this interest of uh, writing now. When I say writing, writing, where it actually caught me interest is me tapping on the keyboards of laptop. So from there is like, I started to realize like, hey, I'm able to convey something what I really want to. And uh, so that's how it just started out. And not poet or anything. I just, just scribble upon what uh, based on my mood and what really need to be felt or shared. And I just do that. I think that's the best, best kind.
0: Maybe if you can... Uh, maybe read out a few lines from any
1: any poem or something that you've written. Uh, maybe not a poem. So I would say that, is it okay like if I recite uh, uh, a like. prose or something? Uh, Whatever you like, yeah. Uh, I don't want a real poet to come across and say, if hey, this is called poem, so <laughs> let me not be there. So I'll just uh, you know, recite a prose or something like that. So, Anything. If, during wishbone day, uh, so some of the years on one of the wishbone, happened to write one of the uh, prose. Um, so just reading it, out that maybe I would just give it a try reading that. Oh, no, absolutely. Okay. Sure. So it's called the recital piece. And uh, it goes like this. The universe took nine months to craft me. It, it wasn't enough for my bones to be crafted to perfection. I grew up with broken bones and cracked teeth with sorrowful doubts all through the nights, and hardly any goals to chase during the day. I believe my journey is not about crossing miles across the planet but about learning the path that would take me to the mirror, the reflections of face I could identify even before my birth. Each time my journey was to the rock bottom where mind knows no answers. I found the mysterious force that evoked the strength in me to hold myself through the challenges thrown at me. The late evenings that I spent on my rolling chair with music plugged in my ears have taken me many times to that place which was my home even before I appeared as a star in the dark sky. Thank you.
0: Beautiful. (laughs) Absolutely amazing, and it sounds like poetry to me. I don't know if it is, <laughs> if it is prose, but I think that's 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 for each one to decide. But it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you, thank you for that. Um. So I have a few questions, which are what what I call as the rapid fire question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So, which is your favorite travel destination? Beach. Beach, nice. Um any favorite personality that inspires you? Myself? <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Uh, what are your hobbies?
1: Uh, watching movies. Okay.
0: Um you're a morning person, night person. Morning. Okay. Favorite singer?
1: Uh, any good singer. Anyone who I love classic music, so anyone who's into classical, yeah
0: it's great. yesterday i think uh, on sun, sunday i just heard um, rakesh um, pandit rakesh chaurasia and zakir Hussain. and, Zaki Rusen, and oh. that uh, start zakir it was amazing so yeah. uh any book that you've read that has made a recent you know something that that you can tell us about
1: uh, i would say my all time favorites are these two books one is when the bread becomes air Another one is, uh, All... Life is What You Make It by Petit Shanoi.
0: That's great. Great, great. Uh, and I think with that, uh, with those two great uh, references to the book and to the sing, I think, you know, if there's anything you would like to tell our audience, otherwise we will uh, we will close it at, at this.
1: Just enjoy your life and love yourself first more than anything. Keep spreading a lot of light and joy.
0: Thank you so much. And you've been the one who's been spreading a lot of joy and, and awareness along with that. So thank you so much, Danya. It was such a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you so much. It's a great honor to be part of such a great platform where the very strong you know, people came and spoke and the, the whole of the career, you know, that they have shared. It's, it's very nice. I feel so honored. Thank you. Thank you, thank, thank you, Danya.